Yeah, I think the bottom line is is uh, uh, everything I say is gold. Just listen to me and do it. <laughs> Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, long tail. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Happy Thursday morning. It's the Lifestyle Business Podcast. I am joined by two jokers. On my left, the captain, the CEO of our fine organization, the man who puts the gone into Saigon. Leaving tomorrow. So are you, buddy, huh? But you're, we're on our way back, man. Yeah. Always be in our hearts. Speaking of in our hearts, on my right, John Myers, uh, the man otherwise known as Kaiser Sose, on occasion. John, we talk a lot about you on the LBP. It's fantastic to have you here. Thanks for having me, guys. And you better be back. Yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> if you guys stick around at the end of the show today, we're going to be talking about a really important topic about going from just making a living, like that day-to-day business survival, to making a killing, sort of earning income on your assets, you know, and, and being able to focus on the things that truly matter to you, whether that's your new business venture, your family, or whatever it is. So from making a living to making a killing, it's going to be an exciting one. Uh, you know, as retribution... For our April Fool's episode, which was a bit misguided, Mark sent us a picture of his naked ass. And I'm not swearing, swearing because I'm actually referring to his naked ass. There's actually a naked ass. Are we going to post that picture? Uh, absolutely. It's fantastic. He says, recently started life over with nothing but my iPad and the Lifestyle Business Podcast. Clearly, I'll be fine. <laughs> I love it. You're, I love you're really tone, starting Mark. with the negative one, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, speaking of photos, we got a photo from our good friend, James Clark. He says, I'm on the train from Toronto to Windsor, catching up on podcasts, free Wi-Fi, power outlets on board. Life is good. Love to get the shout from James. He's sort of our cafe buddy here in Saigon. Yeah, he is. Hey, James. He actually, he said he's coming back really soon. So looking forward to seeing you, James, and hope you're having fun in Canada. Hey, guys, we got a bunch of iTunes reviews this week. Too many to read, but I'll just read my favorite one. Uh, we got one listener who says, I'm going to put a wager down that I'm your only full-time trail-building listener. I've been working in Arizona for a couple years now, and I discovered your podcast about halfway through. And uh, I think we can see where the punchline is going. I just gave my notice yesterday. So keep your fingers crossed. Congratulations. Um, username, Cody Bucket. That sounds like a trailblazer awesome. name right That's there. That's a trailblazer yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, hey, another, the another applause effect. Uh, send you off into uh, the, the sort of the trail less followed. Yeah. Business, <laughs> uh, blazing the business trail. All right, guys. So let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes this week. It's called Episode 159, How to Go from Making a Living to Making a Killing. So in our community, John, I'm seeing three big sticking points just in general. And I'm talking about bootstrapping lifestyle business entrepreneurs that got big ambition. They want to travel. They, they want to build a business. Three, three spots. Number one, getting started. Number two, hiring and leading a staff and, and building a team. Uh, and number three, and this is the one we're going to focus on today, is getting beyond operating your business and just trying to make a living. There's this very common thing that happens in the bootstrapping community is that you get crazy. You quit the job. You get an investor. You go after your business. 
and then you make $80,000 a year and you sort of seize up, right? Right. You got you got some employees around you. You've got bills. You might have an office. And all of a sudden you're like, I got to make sure I make these sales. I got to make sure. And then they never really get out of that sort of personal income rut to the next level, which would be like sort of making a killing. So I'm, I'm thinking making a killing is like having that $80,000 income, but not managing it. And then you're off doing the next cash flow. Right. So what got you there in the first place was being an entrepreneur, right? And then, so you have an entrepreneurial moment and then all of a sudden you have, uh, I'm an employee again in my own business. Right. And you know, the first step is replacing your income, right? So you've replaced your income and now how do you scale that? There's a lot of ways in which you can attack this problem. We're going to bring our, our best nine points. So the first one, John, is something that you talk a lot about and it's called cultivating a professional table image. Um, yeah, I love poker. So in the uh, game of poker, there's a concept of table image, which means how others perceive you at the table. And so there's various ways to do that. One is having a lot of conviction behind your ideas, right? A lot of enthusiasm behind your ideas and having a concrete vision that others buy into. That's what I talk about a lot. Like, it's not just good enough um, to be in the right spot or to be in the right network. It matters what people in that network think of you. Like if they think you're a dud or a hanger on or a sycophant or a poser, they will not become your partner. They will not work for you. They will not work with you, all, right. et cetera, et cetera, right? I, yeah. When we first started our business, Dan, we had a really clear idea about a few products that we wanted to bring to market, right? It was like, this is the way that I want to see the world operate. And that's something that we felt really strongly about. Mm -hmm. And um, so so you told a story earlier, John, before we got on the air about people that do this. I, I think you were talking about, uh, what was his name with the Tumblr? Right. Oh, uh, David Karp. Right. And so one of the interesting things when Tumblr was first starting, there was no commenting system. And so the investors, uh, Fred Wilson at Union Square Ventures, was insisting on a commenting system. And David Karp heard that information. Uh, he took that uh, opinion in and he disregarded it. He had a concrete vision for what he wanted his platform to look like. And you can see the results today. By the way, let's back up just a second. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Good question. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Speaking of table image, I mean, you've, you've got this amazing table image in the Dynamite Circle. People yeah. look up to you as a mentor, uh, as a design guru. You work for governments and major institutions, but you're also this edgy guy that I think inspires people. You know, so what's your background and what do you do? Um, I'm a user interface designer, user experience designer. I've been building digital products and services for over 15 years. And I've also been the founder of a number of startups. Um, one of the more notable startups uh, that I'm a co-founder of is DoMedia.com, which is an online marketplace for buying and selling non-traditional advertising media. And so over the years, I've been able to leverage my experience in startups and as a designer to get attention for my ideas. So in terms of table image, these experiences have helped elevate my particular table image. So, you know, recently you wrote a few posts on medium.com and you're part of the reason why there's so many young entrepreneurs here in Saigon right now. I mean, people, you know, you, you came through with this immediate, you shot straight for the top with your ideas. And that's kind of interesting. Like you didn't, go and interview some guy who's lived here for five years and then say maybe his idea is okay. You just walked in like the authority right out of the gate. Well, well you know what? I think, I think I'm just a framer. And so what's happening here in Saigon, and to kind of tee that back up to table image, right, is that I see this next wave of the four-hour work week. So there's kind of four-hour work week part two 
And so Saigon to me was ground zero for that. I had a particular vision about it and I wanted to communicate that idea to the world. And so what is what is the second wave of the four hour work week to you? To me, it's people building more meaningful businesses, people swinging at the fences, thinking about bigger ideas, not just getting by and making a living, but killing it. You know, and this nice. is actually one of my uh, tropes I've been on about and I haven't fully articulated is the opportunity for we're seeing like John McIntyre and Ben Kruger having successful businesses servicing the next wave. Because mm-hmm. what's happening is everybody that built these online businesses now, they need services. Right. They need products that are unique to their struggles. In 2008, it was a bunch of keyboard jockeys in the basement. And, you know, in the mom's basement. Right. Now it's a bunch of people with a team of 15 VAs or something. And they need a whole new level of service. Well, and the the cool thing is the learning curve for this second wave is so short. You know, so I'm an old timer. I've been at this a while. And so, you know, you're just a Google search away from embarking upon this journey. Whereas that information was not at our fingertips when we were first starting out in the first wave of this philosophy of the four-hour work week in this lifestyle. Yeah, and education is one of the things up on our list here that we're going to talk about in a minute. And I think you're, you're right to say education and ease of information these days is huge. Speaking of the list, uh, number two, provide services and products to people who are at the top of their industries. So this is this idea of, you know, forget about me too. You want to have a focus and skyrocket straight to the top. I just got an email question from a listener saying, you know, part of the problem is my clients don't really spend that much money on this type of marketing and they don't really understand this kind of thing. And I'm just like, eh, eh, that's a double buzz, right? Yeah, right. The, the whole idea is why not focus directly on the people who care the most about your kind of stuff? It, it's really simple. If you're servicing the bottom of the market, you will be at the bottom of the market. Right. Number three, don't peel cash until it counts. So we're saying that people that are making a killing don't peel cash until it counts. Right. What does that mean to you, Andy? You're sort of the financial guru. (laughs) A lot of this has to do with uh, the ways that consumers operate and a lot of the ways that consumers operate in their jobs. So you make 80, you spend 60, right? That's not how you operate as an entrepreneur. Um, If you're making 80, you're reinvesting 30 or 40 back into your business and maybe you're spending just 20 to get by, right? Because the whole idea 20 goes into the bank and that's your runway or your backup. Right. The whole idea here is to make more than a living. Okay, we've established that you can go down, you know, you can go down and get an hourly wage job and make a living, right? Yeah. Or, or you can build a business that can make you a good uh, living. You want to make a killing. And to do that, you're going to have to scale your efforts. You're going to have to build a team around you. You're going to have to do a lot of different things that's just outside of the realm of being an employee for your own company. You have a point here that says, technically speaking, don't spend your effing money. <laughs> yeah, consumer debt <laughs> is It's really tough, stupid, it's really tough right? right? Because you come from a job where you, you've had a lifestyle and maybe people in relationships in your life that depend on, say, 80 grand a year. And you say, hey, it's going to be rough because I'm only going to make 60 from my business for the next three years. But the truth is, if you want to make a killing, you're only going to be making zero from your business for the right. first three That's years. Right. You have to forget about all the things that you think you deserve. Uh, Mr. John Myers right next to me is wearing a very nice watch, nice pair of jeans. <laughs> I would imagine... I would imagine if you, you called had, me out. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a job that was paying you $30,000, you that's not something that you can do for yourself. Well, I, I don't know about that. So I think that sort of North American lifestyle encourages, you know, racking up consumer debt and, and all this consumption. And that's one of the beauty, uh, beautiful things about this particular lifestyle is it's a different consumption paradigm. And so you're not racking up all this debt. But in terms of like my gear and, and clothes, 
I only own two pairs of jeans. <laughs> so I would rather invest in like two good pairs of jeans versus 10 crappy pairs. You right. know? And so um, I, I think it's that, you know, sort of keeping that consumption mindset at bay right. is really helpful. And being in Saigon is awesome because you're not, it's a, just a different way of thinking. Right. Number four, to make a killing, you need to invest in your education. You know, the day I quit my job, much to the chagrin of the boss man, I took the, corp the fresh corporate plastic and I waltzed my ass right down to Borders bookstores and I just blew the place out. Because I was like, my back's up against the wall. I dropped right. $150, I think, right. on books that day. And it's, I can still remember many of those books that I bought and how they found their way into our business. And John has this point too. We were talking about this earlier, right? It's like part of that budget, part of that income that you have, you should be reinvesting into education, right? Because it's right. so easy to find out, you know, so easy to find the information that you need to build your business. So what's yeah, your thoughts on that? Uh, uh, definitely. So, you know, for example, if you're a non-technical startup founder, jumping on Team Treehouse and learning a little bit about programming, jumping on Code Academy and learning about programming is going to help your business as a guy that's going to make it killing because that's what we're trying to do here you have to manage people right and mm -hmm. so uh, i don't have to know how to code websites but i definitely have to have a basic understanding so i can manage that when you can communicate in their language to gain their trust and cooperation all right point five if you don't like change you'll like irrelevance even less and that's a quote <laughs> by uh, general shinseki um it's this idea of we're talking about anti-fragile quite a bit lately we're talking about uh, the rate of change is, you were saying it's embedded. What do you mean by that? Uh, in other words, the, the speed and rate of change is inevitable, right? And so those that will sort of uh, really flourish and succeed in the future and present now will be able to adapt quickly to this rate of change. It's amazing. Like, you know, if you just, uh, there's, there would be a great podcast episode to talk about the 30-year mortgage and then to go and like talk about what was happening 30 years ago and how people lived. Uh, someone was telling me their day, like, we didn't have passports 100 years ago to certain <laughs> countries and look at what happened to Singapore and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and we just think that everything's going to be the same, right? Right. You know, John, you've done a lot of stuff in, in your in your short time. Are you calling him old? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? Dude, you've done, you've done a Dude, really. You've done a ton of in stuff. In my time. <laughs> so the other day, uh, you were talking about how uh, you ran some kind of venue uh, several years ago. I mean, this was like, back in the day, right? And bands would come through and oh, stuff yeah. like that, right? And then the one thing you said was like, you know, one day it was over, right? It was just over. Well, and I think that's the thing is you hang on to the past, right? So those formative things that happen in, in your evolution, you hang on to, you know? So you don't want to be the 80s metal guy with the jeans, jacket, and mullet. Right. You know, you're hanging on to those glory days or <laughs> whatever that is. Well, right? what I love about your attitude is so cool is that you're finding those formative experiences in the new things. So like, it's so cool to hear, you know, you're a very philosophical guy to say, you at one point, which delighted me to no end, called this movement punk rock. Oh, it's totally this punk rock. entrepreneurial movement, punk rock. And you were a punk rock fan. So there's this kind of idea that you can hang on to the principles, but the vehicles have to change. So if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell and the, and the concept of uh, mythology and culture and, and whatnot. So the punk rock narrative is learning to communicate unpopular ideas. It's that simple. And right. so what is entrepreneurship? It's coming up against adversarial positions, against people telling you you're crazy and sticking to it and learning how to communicate that idea. Excellent. Love it. Point number six, long ball thinking 
and pawn positioning. So, I, I, okay, I was on Yahoo Chess the other day because I don't know why. And <laughs> I was remembering how bad of a chess player I am. Wow. And one of the reasons I'm really bad at playing chess is that I don't know how to position my pawns in the early game to have success and control the board for the middle and end game. And it's you're I just was, going straight for the kill. You're just going straight for the. You just I want to get that the queen out. Four so move, move queen around. thing. Yeah. yeah, I just get the queen out and I wait and it's like ah thwarted. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm screwed. And it's the same thing with business, right? Mm. It's like you wake up in the morning like oh I just gotta pay the bills. Oh I just gotta make a sale. And you forget about the fact that it's those moves that you did two and three years ago intelligently that are setting you up for success today. And there's so many ways you can do this. One is you can invest in building your culture. You can do things like our SODs. But I think this idea of doing little things every single day that are going to build up over the long term to give you control of the board so you're positioned well. And this is something that Ian and I have done with our, we started with steel, right? We moved on to, to, to the information and now we're moving on to software. And it, look, we're not software pros and we're not making any money in software. But we know we need to be positioned that way to be the leaders of our industry in 15 years. You're investing in education. So you're talking about the software business, right? So yeah. you're getting sort of uh, domain expertise, domain knowledge. And so you're investing in that. So once you get past that point, that learning curve, then the next one and then the next one and then the next one gets much better over time. Exactly. I think I think also, you know, this this relates to you know, doing today what you're going to get paid to do tomorrow. So we're, we're trying to do things today that we're going to get paid for five years from now. These are small moves over time. You know, okay, let me tell you another image. One thing that used to drive me crazy when I wanted to be a rock star was when I was at my job, every once in a while I'd uh, listen to the radio and I'd hear one of my heroes that's maybe my age or just a little bit older than me playing their guitar on the radio. And I thought, that bastard is playing his guitar and here I am working my job. So he's getting, he's doing one small day ahead of me, one small day ahead of me. So this is all about that trajectory stuff that we talk right. about, which is like, the if you want to become an entrepreneur, you need to get out of that job, right? Yeah. Unless you're in an apprentice position where you're building out the, you're investing in your education. Yeah. And I, I think one other thing though, too, that's really important in terms of long ball thinking and, and positioning is that a lot of people get into this panic mode where they have to do something, right? Because it, it, when you're coming from that sort of corporate mindset or that, that job, you're just trying to fill your day with crap to do all day long. Mm -hmm. So you're not taking on high impact activities. So it's really important with long ball, uh, you know, long ball thinking and whatnot to cultivate that mindset of, calm execution, thoughtful, mindful execution, not just stabbing at things. Absolutely. Number seven, guys, understand what brand really means. You're saying, you guys, this is a point that you guys are passionate about as John is an amazing designer. Ian is a designer. <laughs> and <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me, John. And you guys are really passionate about this idea. You guys were both saying to me, the guys that are making a killing, they know the real meaning of brand. So lay it on me. Here's the idea. And John and I, we got in a discussion about this before the podcast started. My, my point was like a brand is built on a reputation. And your idea here is that a brand is built on ideas. kind of. So explain a little bit. About um, oh, it's just 99 designs. You buy a logo and you're right. done. It's a vibe. Man. It's just it's a, a vibe. vibe. <laughs> it's a logo. We're finished. No, really. Um, no, a brand is it's an idea that someone else can tell to someone else. So it's an idea that's been put out there for discussion. Um, it's something you stand for. And then it means different things to different people, right? So if you say Zappos.com to one person, they might have a really positive customer experience there. 
that they're communicating to someone else. That's part of that uh, brand and how it's transmitted to others. Right. And so if you say Zappos.com to an employee, then they could understand that the kind of um, brand that they have internally. If you say it to a consumer, they could understand the customer service brand that they have. And what you were saying earlier was like basically the Zappos logo isn't the brand. That's just a logo. It reinforces the idea. Right. Right. So, you know, Seth Godin hit his 5,000th post today, right? And he, he talks about branding via the drip, the drip. The drip, and this is this idea of, you know, legibility and body of work. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got a really clear body of work. Mm-hmm. People know they've seen your designs, they've mm-hmm. seen your perspectives about design, and again, you're just nailing that idea that like I'm the design pro. I freaking design shit for <laughs> all those governments, those people that you're paying taxes to. I do the designs, blah 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 blah. And it's this idea that it's not, it doesn't matter like really what your homepage looks like at the end of the day. It, that's just a supporting idea yeah. among the broader narrative. So I think that people that understand brand understand the broader narrative. Like Zappos has a legacy in the world, and I don't want to be self like aggrandizing, like we're crazy. Mm-hmm. But think about what your place in history is. Even if that history is just a small little portion of your marketplace, well, like what role are you playing? Another thing too that I would just throw out there in the context of um, this this episode, right? So we're talking about going from making a living to making a killing. So one of the things that you would do in your business in terms of branding is to reverse engineer every single touch point that someone has with your company, right? So the moment they talk to one of your employees, to the moment they unwrap one of your packages, to the moment they interact with your website, these are all touch points that reinforce what you are about and what you stand for. You know, I walked out of a sushi restaurant the other day and there was seven people along my way out and they all said the same thing to me. They all said, Thank you, sir. Have a good day or something like that. I was right behind you. They told me to get screwed. That's funny. funny. I paid the bill. And, and, you know, one of the things I thought was like, what a wasted brand opportunity. Like, what if there was a segmented message that each one was doing the nice touch? You know, when you go to the baller hotels and it's just a nice touch around every corner, it's a chance to give your message. I think that's the narrative. Like, what is the stories that people are going to be telling about you and and your position in the marketplace? The thing I love about what you have to say here, John, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but this is coming from a designer and you're saying that there's a lot more to a brand than just design. Oh, I think... I think the the logo or the design is sort of that manifestation of the ideas that you're communicating, right? So that's an exploration that you have to go through as a business. So a lot of people are working backwards on this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that comes back to something that you said, which I, I always believe is like the words are the most important thing. Yeah. Because that's your message. Yeah. Your message isn't, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's words and it's photos. Yeah. And get everything off of there. Well, and, and then, you know, the three three-word taglines, work, live, play. Destiny. That's not branding. Desire. <laughs> so. We could do a whole other episode on how much uh, attention you really have of somebody coming into your website, too. Right. Number eight, don't work on what makes you money. This is my favorite one of the whole list because this is precisely where I see people getting stuck up, man. Mm-hmm. It's that they've got a business running, they've got a cash flow coming in, and they just manage, 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 massage, mm-hmm. rub it, Play-Doh it, they pet it. And you saw those cats at the petting cafe. How happy were they when they were petted for the 25th time? Let your business alone. You know what happens every time Ian leaves the office? What's that? Our revenue figures go That's up. That's true. Go figure. Yeah. That's true. Our main guy in California gives us a call. He says, well, you know, I got the <laughs> report, guys, and you're not going to like what this says. Dan keeps trying to tell me to go on vacation. <laughs> 
Maybe because you're playing with cats all the time. And you know what? Here's an interesting story, John. Over the last, since Ian came to Vietnam, our revenue continues to climb. And Ian, the entire time, is building up an entirely new business. That's that palm positioning. Three years from now, mm-hmm. maybe we'll be able to talk about that. Maybe it'll be a failure, but we'll learn a lot. And that's that anti-fragile attitude. I'm tying it all together here. So. Well, and then you'll you'll still start another software business, right? That's exactly right. right. So I think this is this is the hardest part is like ask yourself, what does your business look like with a little bit of oxygen in it? Just step away. Mm-hmm. John, you're working on something that you haven't worked on. Uh, this is new to you, right? The writing thing. Right? Yeah. And you're, and you're very good at it. Congratulations Thanks, coming right man. out of the gate. But writing doesn't directly make you money. You're a designer, right? But you started to write. So why did you do that? Um, to get attention for my ideas. You know? okay. So I love talking about um, design from certain perspectives, particularly a business perspective of how design creates economic value. How does it make you money? How does it serve the user well? All right. So finally, nine, building a great team and a network. We've got a master networker on my right. We've got a master general on my left. Um, this is just absolutely, this is one of the things I, I said in my business mindset presentation at TMBA is that get used to the fact that you're going to have to be a leader. You are going to have to lead out of your marketplace, your audience, your, your freaking cocktail party people or, or your team or somebody if you want to make a killing. You cannot sit in the dungeon in the back room and make a killing. Maybe you can, but those people don't come to the cocktail party, so I don't know. (laughs) I don't know those people. (laughs) Man caves don't make you money. (laughs) Hey, we talk about that one a lot, so let's get moving on to just the tips. John, John, John. We could just we could we could call this just the things that John told me last week because you've been absolutely infiltrating this section of the show. There's this website called 500px.com. What is it? How do you use it? It's a uh, photography site, somewhat like Flickr, but it's for higher end professional photographers. And what I love about it is just the quality of the work. There is stunning imagery on there and. What I like better about it is that uh, there's a marketplace. And so if you're a blogger looking for a beautiful image for your posts, that's the place you can go. And for three bucks, you can download a picture. So I the, love this, this isn't like a multicultural group of people shaking hands. This is gorgeous. Like, here's the way I, I think about it. It's like, you know, everybody has that one friend who's really good at photography and probably should go pro. Yeah. It's like infiltrating their computer and using their images, except it's searchable. Yeah. And you don't have to pay iStock photo prices. So, you know, iStock, I guess they serve mostly the corporate market, right? So yeah. when you're putting together your prospectus or, or whatever, your, your quarterly review, review thing you know yeah. you use these things but uh these photos are very cheap yeah if, i mean three bucks a pop right yeah three bucks a pop but and they're the level of processing and detail that goes into these images are just stunning and so i, I highly recommend it. we've already bought three photos and now in one of our standard operating procedures we buy one every week for one of our publications Love so it. thank you for that what's even cooler about this is the backstory john came to us and he said i i know you guys think you're super cool with your with your photos <laughs> that you're taking but uh you guys know you can buy a three dollar photo take on, a chill uh, all right uh, drop that music john suggested this is the school of seven bells painting a memory the website is j-o-n-m-y-e-r-s it's john myers.com thank you so much for joining us on the lbp sir thanks for having me fellas appreciate it we'll see you next thursday morning hey 
everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you immediate access to episode one through 100 of the LBP. It is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next internet.